0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for
1: the Do we want him to heal everybody? Of course. Does he heal everybody? I know the answer. Yes, in heaven, everybody's healed. I get that, okay, but we're not there yet. And that answer kind of stinks for somebody who's going through suffering right now. Yeah, oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks, I know. When I die, it'll get better, sweet. Um, Thanks for encouraging me. Listen, you don't have to have all the answers. And just because one person may not be physically healed in this life, it doesn't depreciate the
0: love of God at all. People often think that if they have questions or if something doesn't fully make sense to them, then that means that there's something wrong with the story. Just because you can't explain everything, obviously that must mean that it can't be explained. But Pastor James reminds us today that there are things, even as Christians, that we don't understand, and we won't, until we get to heaven, and that's okay. You don't need to have an answer for everything. That's why we have Christ on our side. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 9, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: Acts chapter 9. The scripture reading this morning is it's an interesting one, right? From the Gospel of John, where Jesus says this crazy statement. He says, hey, the things you see me do, you can do them. You'll do them. You'll do even more than what I did, which is like mind-blowing in one sense, because you're like, what does that mean? Like, you fed 4,000, does it mean we'll feed more than 4,000? Well, I don't know, maybe. But we're going to see today in the book of Acts how that really is kind of fleshed out in Peter's life. Cool little story as we finish the, the chapter, or Acts chapter 9, where we've transitioned away from Saul, who's now back in Tarshish. He's going to take some time up there. He's still ministering up there. The Lord's working on him, newly converted and all that good stuff. A few years or so, uh, time has passed in his life, but he'll be up in Tarshish. But in the meantime, the focus is going to shift back onto Peter. Okay? And Peter, who um, the Lord is really used as uh, kind of the head of the church, so to speak, right? Um, In Jerusalem, the Lord is using Peter as like the leader there, and he's going to use him to really blow open the doors to the Gentiles. Now, we know Saul, who will become Paul, his primary focus and ministry will be to the Gentiles, the non Jewish people. But before you get there, the Lord's going to use Peter to open up those doors in a tremendous way. But you got to get there. You got to at least start heading in the right direction. You got to get out of Jerusalem. You got to start walking down the road, right? That's part of the Christian walk. Sometimes you just got to get up and you just got to go. You got to start moving. Movement is life, right? So we're going to see that with Peter. And he it's, it's a really cool story. We're going to have a couple of instances of uh, some miracles that take place in, in his ministry and The end of it all, and as I would encourage us and remind us, the whole point of that, doing greater things, is not so that you're glorified. It's so that God is glorified. So don't don't confuse that. Don't think that just because the Lord may use you to do, quote unquote, greater things, that that makes you greater than Him. If that's your mentality, you have missed it completely. And unfortunately, that sometimes is the mindset where it becomes more about us. It's like, no, 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 no. It's always about him, always about him. And when the Lord does something and you ask anything in his name, well, if it's going to be honoring and glorifying to him, then he ought to get all the praise and all the attention, right? So with that, look at uh, verse 32 of Acts chapter 9. I'm going to read out a New Living Translation. My heart is, I love ESV. I study from that New King James ESV when it comes down to it, I, I just love sharing from the New Living Translation. I don't know why, but it just, the way it simplifies the text, sometimes it's just really, it's nice. Um, verse 32, Peter traveled from place to place to visit the believers. And in his travels, he came to the Lord's people in the town of Lydda, or Lydda, however you want to pronounce that. Um, so here we go. Saul has been, because of the disciples, they escorted him. And he's going to go back up to Tarshish. The church is experiencing peace. Um, just to remind us of kind of context, what's happening, verse 31, it says, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, Samaria, and it grew in strength and numbers. Why? Why would it grow in strength and numbers? Well, the next, ver- the next part of the verse tells you, because the believers were walking in the fear of the Lord, that's number one, good idea for all of us walk in the fear of the Lord, a healthy reverence and respect for God, okay? That should be number one. The other part is they were walking in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Walk in the fear of the Lord, walk in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. If churches would just do that, those two things, church and the body collectively walks in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, well, the Lord will do tremendous things with that. And because of that, so this is, a, this is the background. That's what's happening here. So with that you know, fresh on our brains, Peter is now venturing out. He's going to go town by town to visit all the believers, checking in on everything that's happening, everything that's been happening, because things are taking off. From Jerusalem, there's been this gospel explosion, and it's going out into Judea. It's going out into Samaria, and it's working its way out into the uttermost parts of the world. But it's Peter's responsibility is to go out and to see well, what's all happening. That's part of his job. He has got. He has to leave Jerusalem. It's not his first time to leave Jerusalem, but it's also part of his role. And here's, here's the thing. There, we'll, we'll see this as we walk through this story, but I, I just want to throw this out initially. There are a lot of opportunities out there to be used by the Lord. I'm just going to throw that out there for each and every one of us right now. There are plenty of opportunities The Lord is not lacking in opportunities for you to be used. They're out there, which means oftentimes we have to go out there and discover them, okay? Because they're out there. There's plenty to do. There's plenty to do. There's not a whole lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are opportunities to minister within your own house, but you can't stay within your own house all the time. You can't. Now, I understand maybe you have to stay in-house, then figure out ways where there may be opportunities for you to minister and all that good stuff, because there are opportunities. And now with um, you know internet, social media, things like that, there's plenty of avenues there. But I do want to challenge you, if you are able to venture out there, venture out there. Go out there. See what the Lord does. Because He might lead you to a paralyzed man who's been paralyzed for eight years who's just waiting maybe for somebody to show up and pray for him. You never know. You never know. Well, would the Lord ever do that for me? I have no idea. I have no idea. But he did it for Peter. And he himself did it. We see it countless times throughout the Gospels. Jesus was always moving around. He's moving around. And he'd run into this paralyzed individual. Or this paralyzed individual got lowered down from the ceiling right in front of him while he's teaching. The Lord was always on the move, going. And there was opportunity, plenty of opportunities there. So I just want to throw that out there at the beginning, because this is Peter. He's he out of Jerusalem. He's on the road. He's checking in on all these guys. And there's going to be plenty of opportunities. So he shows up in this town, verse 33. It says, there he met a, name, a man named Aeneas, who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. How do he get paralyzed? Don't know. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. The fact of the matter is this. he's paralyzed for eight years, bedridden. That is like my nightmare, OK? Because I can't sit still for eight minutes, right? I'm, all, I'm You see me, I'm up here like fidgeting around all the time because I got to move around. This guy has been bedridden for eight years. We don't know any of this guy's background, none of it. But there he is, and Peter is directed towards him. How is Peter directed towards him? Maybe he shows up in the town, people recognize Peter, and they're like, listen, maybe it's this guy's family. And they're like, can you please come and pray for him? We have no idea. Maybe he just walked into town and the Holy Spirit told Peter, hey, I want you to go to this house and pray for this guy. Because we already know from this same chapter that that's what he does. We know that because you have Saul, who was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians, to lock them up and drag them back to Jerusalem. And the Lord met with him on that road to Damascus, but he also met with Uh, a believer, Ananias, there in Damascus, and he spoke to Ananias and said, hey, listen, you're going to go to this house, and you're going to lay hands on this man, Saul, and you're going to pray for him. The the Lord does that. The Holy Spirit does that. He can speak to you. He can guide and direct you to to a house, to an individual, with a mission, with a job. We got to know how to be open to that, receptive to that, quiet enough. To hear that. I think sometimes the Lord is, and like I said, there are plenty of opportunities that are out there. I wonder how many I miss on a daily basis. And I'm not saying that every day is going to present something like this, but I do wonder how many days, how many opportunities have gone by where the Lord's like, you know, I was trying to tell you to go to talk to that person, but you just weren't listening. And, and for me, and that's my struggle. My struggle is I get too caught up inside here with my own, I'm so focused on myself. And it becomes a, a storm, in one sense, where it's really hard to hear sometimes, because you just got this voice, you know, this, this ongoing battle within you. That's um, a struggle for me. Every day I wake up and try not to focus on me. That's a, real, that's a real battle. I think that's a real issue for a lot of us. The best thing to do is just to learn how to sit quietly, open up the Word, read the Word, and let the Lord speak to you. Give him his proper time and place. Okay, We don't know what the scenario is here, but all we know is that there's a guy, he has a need, and Peter's in town, and it's not a coincidence at all. Okay, The Lord is sovereign. He knows how to orchestrate all this stuff. And Peter, verse 34, it's either at this guy's house or wherever this is taking place. He tells this guy, he says to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. And he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda, Lydda, however you want to say that, and Sharon, turned to the Lord when they saw Aeneas walking around. This is insane. Here's Peter, shows up in this town. There's a paralyzed guy. And so Peter walks up to him. And what's he going to do? He's going to do exactly what Jesus has modeled to him for three years as he followed Jesus around. He saw and he basically verbalizes the same thing that Jesus has told a few paralyzed people. Get up, roll up your mat, go home. The first thing, he, he, he addresses one man. He says, listen, your son, your sins are forgiven. And everybody's like, what? Only God can forgive sins. And he's like, oh, OK, um, you're healed. Get up and go home. And the dude got up and get, went home. And everybody's like, what's going on? Because what? Only God can do that, too. Spoiler alert, Jesus is God. But Peter was there in all these scenarios, all these stories. He's watching this. And so don't be surprised when you see the same verbiage used from Peter that he heard from Jesus, almost word for word. We'll see that in the next story. Hey, Jesus heals you, not Peter, not Peter. Peter shows up, and he's like, oh, hey, Jesus, and the the actual wording here in the Greek here, Jesus is healing you right now. You have to be led by the, by the Spirit in order to show up in somebody's life and make some sort of bold proclamation, a statement of faith like that. And there is a place for statements of faith like that. Absolutely. Now, we don't want to go too far to where people abuse that. We've witnessed that in church history where people will make these Almost like yelling at God with these statement, quote unquote statements of faith. And it's like you can't boss God around. If He doesn't if it's not his will to heal that person, I don't care how loudly you shout, it's just not gonna happen. We see that unfortunately, and but there are other statements of faith, for whatever reason, the healing one, I get it. People are suffering and people want healing. I I totally understand that. But there's a lot of other statements of faith that could be boldly proclaimed and should be embraced by the church. You're free. Hey, if Christ is your Lord and Savior, guess what? You're free. Where is that statement of faith? Where is that shouting? Where is that proclamation? Walk in freedom. You're free. Sin no longer is your master. Where is that statement of faith? Where are those types of statements of faith? They don't often put rears and seats, unfortunately. But there's a lot of statements of faith that can be boldly proclaimed to individuals that the church has every right to proclaim. Hey, Jesus has died for you. Jesus died for you so that he could set you free. You can be free. You can walk in freedom. You can walk in newness of life. That is absolutely true. Absolutely true. That is a statement of faith. We need more of those proclaimed. Individuals within the church, and you guys understand this, because we come from different backgrounds. You come from different church experience. And maybe maybe you've been hurt by another church or something has happened or whatever. We need more of this within the body, these proclamations of faith of like, listen, Jesus loves you. That is a statement of faith. We know that to be true. We should be repeating that more and more to each other and to the lost world out there. Here's Peter. Peter just shows up, and he's like, Jesus heals you. Jesus is healing you right now, dude. He's like, go ahead and get up. Roll up your mat. Go home. It's all good. Why this guy? Why not other people? I don't know. I don't know. That's not my business. It's not my business to know why God will heal somebody and not somebody else. That's not our business. That's up to him. Do we want him to heal everybody? Of course. Does he heal everybody? I know the answer. Yes, in heaven, everybody's healed. I get that, okay, but we're not there yet. And that answer kind of stinks for somebody who's going through suffering right now. Yeah, oh, thanks. Yeah, thanks. I know, when I die, it'll get better. Sweet. Thanks for encouraging me. Listen, you don't have to have all the answers. And just because one person may not be physically healed in this life, that doesn't depreciate the love of God at all. Now, there will come a moment in your existence when you're standing before the Lord where everything will make sense. But I want to tell you right now, that moment probably won't happen in this life, okay? You might get closer to that in your understanding as you grow in your understanding and your knowledge of who He is and how He works and all that stuff, but heaven will be that moment where it's like, okay, oh, I get it, I get it. For whatever reason, The Lord has designated this man to be healed by Peter on this day. But look at the result. Peter shows up, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Kind of bossy. All right, that's cool. Um, Sometimes you need that, right? We all need somebody to show up in our lives and tell you to make your bed. Hopefully, at this point in time, you've mastered that in your life. I don't know, but um, you should make your bed. Um, There's a military guy who wrote a whole book on that, and it's brilliant, okay? Make your bed, all right? There you go. For all you parents and all the years of struggling to get your kids to make their beds. Look, Peter is, here he is. He's like, dude, just make your bed. All right, come on. It's like a teenager. Get up, make your bed, go home. Um, and this guy does. But look at the fruit. He was healed instantly. And the whole population, does this literally mean everybody? I'm going to take it as yes. OK? Now, I could be wrong. Maybe there's a handful of people who didn't. OK. But this is telling me that the whole population, everybody in that little village, the two villages that are represented here, they see this guy walking around who they've watched for the past eight years cannot move. And they hear his story. So what I love about the story, when Jesus healed the paralyzed guy, forgave him of his sins, and then healed him, he told everybody, hey, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody, Okay, We're like, why? No, no, don't tell anybody in this story. It's unhinged. The gospel is unhinged. The guy gets up, walking around, so that gives us an indication that he probably does roll up his bed. Maybe he threw that thing in the trash, right? Because you're like, I don't even want any reminders of that past life. I don't want anything. I'm going to throw it all away. I'm walking in newness of life. Eight years, the guy just gets up instantly and starts walking. You tell me, no physical therapy. That alone is another miracle, Okay. Walking around, and I promise you this, Peter isn't the only guy who has to tell people about Jesus in these two villages, because now you have a brand new witness. He's not qualified. I'm sorry, he's saved. He's qualified. You're saved, qualified, boom, done, done, Okay. He's walking around. He is a visual, a living testimony of the power of Jesus. And everybody is turning to the Lord. Insane. So why this guy? Why on this day? Probably to save two villages of people. That's probably why. And Peter goes on. Well, he's there. He's hanging out in the town. And then little, you know, unbeknownst to him, about eight or ten miles away in the town that we're very familiar with, because we, before we started the book of Acts, we spent a month in the book of Jonah, which is where this next town is located They're concerning that story, Joppa. It says verse 36, there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which in Greek means Dorcas, okay? Good call on the Tabitha. Um, the Dorcas, I don't know, maybe it was popular back then, uh, but she, it seems as though she's kind of like, you know, I know my parents named me Dorcas, but just call me Tabitha, okay? Gazelle. Gazelle is what that means, okay? So she's a believer. She lives in Joppa. Verse, continue on in that verse, it says, she, always, she was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. She was ministering. She's a very effective lady in the town of Joppa. We get a little bit more insight as, as to what she was doing uh, a little bit further on, but it says here that about this time, as Peter is there healing Ananias, or Aeneas, about that same time, she became ill and died. Died like Dead, flatline, OK? This isn't like she's just like a coma or, it, no, no, dead. Her friends prepared for her a burial and laid her in an upstairs room. That's an indication that she probably is a well-off lady as well, to have an upstairs room that you can designate to your friends to keep your body. That speaks of, of her status, meaning she's, she, probably, she probably has some money. But here are her friends, they prepare her for burial because she's dead, all right? I'm not a medical expert, but I have, I've unfortunately, I've been in the presence of people who have passed away, and there are clear indications of when individuals pass away. Now, sometimes things happen and they come right back to life and it's crazy, it's absolutely crazy. She's dead and her, her friends... Her loving friends have all gathered together and prepared her. They've washed her and prepared her for burial. She's gone. But here's the beauty of the story. Their hope, and we have that right here, hope still remains. That's a common sermon title I give for a lot of messages. It's, burnt, it's, it's forever tattooed on my arm, okay? Uh, hope still remains. Their hope still remained. Peter's like 10 miles away. Sweet, somebody go get him. Somebody go get him. Why? She's dead. No, 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 somebody go get Peter, get him over here. Maybe he can pray for her. And maybe, just maybe, the Lord wants to do something here. Maybe he can just conduct the funeral. Maybe that's what they're hoping. We don't know. But they sin for him because they're one of their best friends, a lady who is very influential within the church and the community there in Joppa, which is a town that is known for Jonah, the guy who was running away from God, okay, Hopping on the boat, trying to sail up to Tarshish to get as far away from the calling that God had on his life as he possibly could, here within that same town, you have Tabitha who is, she has answered her call, and she's doing it faithfully and beautifully, and then she dies. This is verse 38, but they heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, and so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible, get here now. Verse 39, so Peter returned with them. I love that. There's no hesitation on Peter's part at all. Their message to him is probably this "Um, We need you to come to Tabitha's house. Uh, She's a faithful disciple. Man, she has been used by God tremendously. She's just fallen ill and she has passed away. We need you to come right now. And Peter's like, Well, you know, I'm kind of busy. I mean, I got my planner. And uh, I'm, I'm booked, man. I'm booked. I got this speaking engagement here. I got this healing service now over here. It's crazy. It's just blowing up like crazy now. Um, but I'm just, I don't know, a dead person? I don't have time for dead people. That's the problem with the church sometimes. We don't have time for dead people. Peter's like, what? Okay, I'm on my way. I'm on my way. He answered the call.
0: Go to the You've been listening to another edition of Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us as we learned about the early church in the Book of Acts together. What an incredibly powerful book of God's faithfulness. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more teachings from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Teachings tab. While you're there, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel, Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you visit. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for worship and Bible study. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed, so we invite you to come just as you are. For directions and to learn more about us, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We would also love to connect with you. Just drop us a note in the contact form to let us know if you've been blessed by this ministry. Would you also prayerfully consider partnering with us in this ministry? Support from people like you allows us to share the gospel in unique and amazing ways. If you'd like to donate, visit BreadForTheBroken.com and click on the Donations tab. Any and all donations are welcome and greatly appreciated. We thank you in advance for your generosity in partnering with what God is doing. Our website one more time is BreadForTheBroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but be sure to tune in again next time as Pastor James teaches more from the Book of Acts right here on Bread for the Broken. Thank you